0: Welcome to the GDPR Weekly Show, one of the top five GDPR podcasts worldwide. Here is what's coming up in this week's episode.
1: Welcome to episode 126 of the GDPR Weekly Show. And coming up this week, we have news from Vomba Systems, who have launched a mask detection system for CCTV to monitor the use of masks by people whilst they're present on your premises. We then have an update from the EDPB on data transfer to and from the USA. And we then look at estate agents and employment agencies who may find that they have additional overheads as a result of the new EU-UK trade deal, particularly in terms of data transfer. We then look at what you need to do if you have a data breach in the new post-Brexit world, particularly if you are dealing with European citizens. We then look at the insurrection that happened at the US Capitol building this week and see what lessons can be learned from this massive data breach which many people saw happening in real time live on their TV screens. We then have the results of an IOMART survey into the provision of cyber security training. We then have an update on the British Airways data breach. We then have news of a data breach at Blackpool Council. And we then have news of a further data breach at Now Pension. We then travel to Italy, where Ho Mobile have suffered a data breach this week. And then to Australia, where a data breach has exposed members of the Communist Party of China. We then travel to America, where Dassault Aviation have suffered a data breach. And then to India, where there's been a data breach at Indian Airline Indigo. Then back to the USA for details of a class action being taken against Canon following a data breach which they suffered late last year. We then have details of a European Commission report into the implementation of GDPR. And finally this week, we have the results of a survey carried out by Finbold into GDPR penalties issued in the year 2020. So as always, a wide range of articles for you this week. We hope you find the information useful and informative. As always, if you have any feedback for us, please just email feedback at com. We do read every single piece of feedback and incorporate your suggestions into the show where we can, but unfortunately due to the volume of feedback we receive, we're not able to answer each piece of feedback individually.
0: Stay home, stay safe.
1: We begin this week with news that Rhombus Systems, the leader in cloud-based video security and Internet of Things sensor technology, has released smart security cameras with integrated mask detection to reduce the spread of covid 19 and enable safer reopening of businesses during the pandemic. Garrett Larson, CEO and co-founder of Rhombus Systems, said, covid 19 has affected the economy and how organisations operate in today's world. Face coverings are now a requirement for many businesses and with rhombus mask detection we've made it easier for managers to be notified when people are not wearing masks throughout their organisation with minimal manual work included at no additional cost, mask detection works with Bombus's entire line of security cameras, allowing organizations to efficiently scale their COVID-19 response efforts. Mask detection uses a combination of artificial intelligence, machine learning algorithms, and edge-based processing to automatically detect individuals in the scene and wearing a mask. If a mask is not detected, the system will issue a real-time video alert for immediate response to protect visitors and reduce potential safety violations. For additional information or to see a demo of this in action, please visit www.rombussystems.com, that's R-H-O-M-B-U-S-Systems.com. We hope to soon have a live interview with someone from Rhombus Systems to bring that to you in an upcoming episode of the GDPR Weekly Show.
0: Anyone can spread coronavirus. Stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives.
1: If you've listened to the last couple of episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show, you have heard us talk about data transfers in the post brexit world, both to EU countries and around the world generally. And the European Data Protection Board, the EDPB, has finally released its much-anticipated guidance following the SREMS2 decision in July 2020, which invalidated the EU-US Privacy Shield. The EDPB has also released draft new standard contractual clauses that allow for data transfers from processors to exporters, as well as new standard contractual clauses for controllers who are importers. The new draft standard contractual clauses consist of a modular template covering four scenarios. The draft standard contractual clauses allow for the following transfers, controller to controller, controller to processor, processor to processor, and processor to controller. The draft standard contractual clauses also obviate the need for two documents for processor transfers, i.e. the standard contractual clauses and the data processing agreement, as they include the processing obligations which are required by Article 28 of GDPR. The standard contractual clauses include a clause, described as being optional, allowing them to evolve during their execution by offering third parties the possibility to join the standard contractual clauses at any time subject to the agreement of the parties. The new standard contractual clauses are likely to provide a flexible and business-friendly mechanism for data transfers, and we anticipate them being approved by the European Data Protection Board sometime early in 2021. The EDPB has also confirmed that old standard contractual clauses, which you might already have in your contracts with data processors or data controllers, will remain valid for a year after the new standard contractual clauses are approved. After that time, the old standard contractual clauses will no longer be supported. The European Data Protection Board proposes a six-stage process to assess the risks of your current data transfers. Step 1 is identifying the flow of the data transfers, including any onward transfers. Step 2 is identifying the transfer mechanisms, e.g. standard contractual clauses derogations from GDPR transfer restrictions or adequacy decisions. Step 3. When relying on standard contractual clauses, assessing whether the transfer mechanism is effective in light of the European Essential Guarantees for Surveillance Measures. That's particularly true of course if a transfer is to or from the UK or to or from the USA. Step 4. Adopting additional safeguards or supplementary measures where necessary. Step five, considering whether any procedural steps are required, e.g. approval by any outside supervisory authority, and step six, re-evaluating the process at appropriate intervals. The actual detail behind those steps is quite technical, but we are well geared up here now at the GDPR weekly show to help you with that. So if you would like us to help you with the implementation of these new data transfer standard contractual clauses, and remember that everyone who's transferring data in or out of the EU or in and out of the UK needs to have these clauses in place, then please just contact us using the details that are coming up right now.
0: Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com or phone us on 0800 808 5312
1: From tools to our helpdesk this week, we know that two areas which are giving concern about European data are estate agents and employment agencies. If you're an estate agent and you have buyers for your properties or potential buyers for your properties who are based in Europe and outside of the UK, then the data transfer mechanisms that we've been talking about in the last hour and also in previous episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show very much apply to you. And the same is true if you're recruiting, whether you're a recruitment agency or indeed whether you're just an employer recruiting and you have people applying who are outside of the UK, so they're applying because they're currently resident in the EU, or indeed they are EU citizens who are now living in the UK, then you need to make sure that you have a European agent. Because if you don't, then potentially, if you have a data breach, then you're in a situation that you're going to have to respond to the ICO or the equivalent, the Data Protection Commission in each country, to notify them that you've had a data breach affecting people who are citizens of their country. And that potentially is a lot of work. So it's much better to have a European agent and then you only have one place that you need to notify. And we feel that this is a potential pitfall that lots of estate agents, employment agencies and employers are going to unwittingly fall into. As we've mentioned before on the which Publicity Show, we're well placed to help you with this. We have an arrangement with a company in the Netherlands, which means we can register you with the Dutch Data Protection Authority and the rest of the problems then with holding data on European citizens effectively go away because if you have any issues we can just report them through that to the Dutch ICO. It's a very straightforward process and we'd be delighted to help you with it of course. So again if you want to take advantage of that please contact us via the contact details which are coming up right now. Contact
0: us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com or phone us on 0800 808 5312.
1: Following on from the previous article, it's perhaps worth looking at the situation of four different example scenarios and what would need to happen from now if you have a data breach. So if you have a personal data breach affecting natural persons in the UK and in one EU member state, where the controller is established only in the UK and in the EU member state, will, assuming the risk of harm threshold set out in Article 33 of GDPR has been met, need to be notified to the ICO and to the DPA in the relevant EU member state. If the personal data breach affects natural persons in the UK and in multiple EU member states, the breach will need to be notified to the ICO and to the DPA in the EU member state, where the controller is established in in the DPA's capacity within the EU and that's where it's important to have an EU agent if you don't have a physical place of business in the EU because otherwise the situation occurs that if a personal data breach affects natural persons in the UK and in multiple EU member states and the controller is established in multiple EU member states or the controller is not established in the EU at all the breach will need to be notified to the ICO and to the relevant authority within each of those member states. This could mean that a controller needs to notify a large number of data protection authorities about the same breach and could in theory be investigated and face a penalty from each of them. So we're not just talking double jeopardy here, we're talking potentially triple jeopardy, quadruple jeopardy or even higher. Potentially, if you have details of people in, let's say, 12 European states and you don't have a European agent appointed because you don't have a physical place of business within the EU, you just have customers who happen to be in the EU, you could potentially face 12 penalties. And remember that each penalty can be up to 4% of your worldwide turnover. So that it's not an amalgamation that can only be 4%, each penalty can be up to 4%. So absolute, absolute worst case, and we would never actually see this happening, but it just serves as a valid example. If you have data on people in 12 European countries and you don't have an EU agent, and you don't have an EU physical place of business, you could potentially face penalties of 48% of your annual worldwide turnover. That's quite a scary thought. Just ponder on that for a few moments and think how that affects your organisation. We, like many, and particularly those of our listeners who are in the US, who probably watched it in peak viewing time, were horrified on Wednesday this week when the mob or domestic terrorists, however you choose to refer to them, staged their rampage into the Capitol in Washington, D.C. Whilst the immediate thought, of course, was for the safety of everyone in the building, whether they be senators, uh, members of Congress, or just the staff working within the building, and, of course, the Capitol Police. Looking back on the images from that insurrection, does also serve another useful purpose, though, for anyone involved in the world of GDPR and data security. Because not only were we watching potentially the destruction of democracy, we were actually watching a very major data breach live on our TV screens as it happened. Because the data breach happened several ways. One is, of course, that because of the speed with which the building needed to be evacuated, Many paper files were left out on the desk, and indeed TV pictures have shown those papers subsequently scattered onto the floor of a number of the offices. but it of course we have no way of knowing of whether all those documents are currently there, or indeed which ones might have been read by people who were in the building without authority. So that was data breach number one, was all the sort of physical paper. Data breach number two was the fact that again, because people left in a hurry, TV pictures have shown at least a number of the workstations still being logged into Outlook, and so anyone sitting at that desk, and there have been a number of photographs in the press, of course, of the invaders sitting in seats and desks, whether well, that's Nancy Pelosi's desk or any desk within the Capitol building, but they had access to any of those emails that are there on the screen. And who knows what could have been in those emails. It could have been information that was sensitive to the US government. It could have been information about foreign governments. And all that information has potentially been released to people who had no right to see it at all. And there's no real way of knowing for sure who saw what. And then the third data breach is that a number of senators have disclosed that they know that laptops have been stolen from their offices. And again, of course, all the data on those laptops has potentially been lost. Now, we would hope that all of those laptops are securely encrypted. But it does leave the... IT security team in the Capitol building with a massive task to do to try and recover from this data breach. Firstly, of course, is to tidy up all the papers and put them away and try and establish what papers are missing. We would think it likely that probably everyone in the Capitol building is going to be told to change their passwords for access to the system because it's now unknown how many of these infiltrators have gained passwords which they had no right to know. And thirdly, of course, it's going to be a case of trying to track down all those laptops and other IT equipment that were actually just stolen. Because some would have been stolen just for commercial gain, just somebody who sees a high-end laptop, steals it, and then sells it for a few hundred dollars in their backyard. But more worryingly is the fact that there are probably some who stole the laptops not for the laptop's actual value, but to see what data they could extract from that laptop. Now, almost all of us are in a situation where we don't have to worry, fortunately, about a rioting mob suddenly breaking their way into our building and accessing our paper files and our electronic devices. However, it is worth thinking about your day of security, especially overnight. It is very important, really, that all paper documents are cleared from desks and locked away when the offices are unoccupied. Because, okay, this was an extreme example, but what if someone broke into your office in the middle of the night? What paper documents would they actually just be able to gain access to? Could they see payroll records? Could they see customer records? Could they see employee records? And how many laptops are left in the office and not actually secured? Whether that's using a cable to secure them to the desk, or hopefully better, that they're actually locked away at night into a steel cupboard with a secure lock on the front. Or, of course, they're taken home. All those are options. But perhaps this raid onto the capital and this raid on democracy should serve as a warning to all of us to actually reassess our data security in terms of what we're doing with paper documents and electronic devices when we are not physically in the building.
0: What's up, Isabella? I'm fed up. I wish I had a new job. Have you tried Jubal? Jubal.org. We help people find jobs. Great! I will try it now.
1: A survey by security provider IOMART has shown that some 28% of companies do not provide essential cybersecurity training to help their workers identify potential data breaches. And while 42% of workers said that training was offered, it was only given to particular employees rather than the entire workforce at the firm. Just 8% of employees surveyed said they received regular cybersecurity training. Almost a fifth of those surveyed had experienced an increase in cyber attacks due to working remotely, while a quarter of workers revealed their business did not have a disaster recovery policy in place, or if they did, they didn't know what it was, despite many businesses shifting to online working due to the coronavirus pandemic. Of those businesses that do give cybersecurity training, 82% admitted it was only a short briefing rather than a full course, while only 17% of workers had regular sessions relating to cybersecurity. Companies pointed to a lack of budget, a lack of prioritisation when it came to preventing cyber attacks, and a lack of technical expertise to implement the training as reasons they did not offer the training. As a training provider ourselves, we find this, of course, very disappointing and yet in some ways not surprising. Particularly with the move from working at home, we've noticed that lots of companies are no longer doing that annual GDPR training and that is really building a problem for the future. And so if you are in charge of training, actually, and you're not carrying out your annual GDPR training, we would suggest you take action to get that back on track. And, of course, we can help you with that. So do please get in touch if you'd like us to help you with training.
0: Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com or phone us on 0800 808 5312.
1: If you're a regular listener to the GDPR Weekly Show you'll know that we've been following the data breach at British Airways which occurred way back in 2018 and ongoing litigation since then to keep you up to date with the current status. Indeed, we've mentioned this now in episodes 5, 6, 12, 32, 49, 60, 82, 102 and 103. So if you want to go back and check on those and catch up the full story please feel free free to do so of course. However things have taken a step forward in the new year and it appears now from soundings that we're hearing from lawyers involved in the case that British Airways are coming to a situation where they will soon be wanting to negotiate out of court and try and get this settled before it goes to court for a formal hearing. And so time is running out for you to make a claim if you believe you were affected by the BA data breach because the closing date for getting involved in the legal group action has now been set as March the 19th, 2021. A number of lawyers are working on this, and so one of them is your lawyers, which you can contact at bagroupaction.com, but there are other lawyers working on the cases too. Or you can contact British Airways directly, and if you wish to do that, you should contact the British Airways Customer Service Department on 0344 493 0787 that's 0344 493 0787 or via the British Airways website. We continue to follow this case and if we have any more updates to bring you between now and the closing date for claims on March the 19th 2021 we will of course do so in a future episode of the GDPR weekly show. To Blackpool now, and Blackpool Council has reported a data breach where it accidentally handed over personal information about 428 people to a public register. A council spokesman said the council was informed on Monday, December 14, 2020 that it had inadvertently included a small number of additional categories of personal data when it disclosed the public register. The data was removed from the website where it was published and the council informed the 428 individuals concerned. The Council has reported the incident to the Information Commissioner's Office and implemented measures to prevent a recurrence. A spokesman for the ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office, said People have the right to expect that their personal information is handled securely by any organisation. If anyone is concerned about the personal information, they should contact the Council, and if they are not satisfied with the response, they can bring their concerns to us directly. We can confirm that Blackpool Council have reported a breach to us and we will be assessing the information provided. We will keep an eye on this for you, and if we hear any more news either from Blackpool Council or from the ICO, we will of course bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show.
0: Stay home, stay safe.
1: Pensions provider Now Pensions suffered a data breach in December after one of its service partners unintentionally posted members' personal data in a public software forum. The provider warned affected members that their names, addresses, dates of birth, email addresses and national insurance numbers had been posted on the forum. It noted that the data breach had affected less than two percent of its approximately one point eight million members. Now pension CEO Patrick Lucy said our current understanding is that one of our service partners unintentionally posted some members' personal data in a public software. This happened Friday the eleventh and Monday the 14th of december twenty twenty. These actions contravene now-pensions procedures as specified for all staff and contractors. The data was visible only to users of that forum for a short time and was copied by a small number of unknown parties. We have reported the incident to the Pensions Regulator and the Information Commissioner's Office. Mr Lucy went on to say that protecting now-pensions members' personal data was of the utmost importance and the provider was taking the matter extremely seriously. We acted as soon as we were made aware of the issue, he said. Relevant members, fewer than 2% of our total membership who are affected by this incident have been sent communications setting out our current understanding of the situation and the steps we are taking to mitigate any risk to their data. We would ask those members to refer to that correspondence. We do not have any evidence that any member's data has been used by any unauthorized third party. If we receive any update on this, either from Now Pensions or the ICO, we will of course bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Home Mobile, an Italian mobile operator owned by Vodafone, has confirmed a massive data breach on Monday and is now taking the rare step of offering to replace SIM cards of all affected customers. The breach is believed to have impacted roughly 2.5 million customers. The breach first came to light on December 28th when a security analyst spotted that the database of users of Home Mobile had been offered for sale on a dark web forum. While the company initially played down these reports, Ho confirmed the incident on Monday in a message posted on its website and via SMS messages sent to all impacted customers. Ho's statement confirmed the security researchers' assessment that hackers broke into Ho's servers and stole data on Ho's customers, including fraud names, telephone numbers, social security numbers, email addresses, dates and places of birth, nationality and home addresses. While the telecoms company said no financial data or call details were stolen in the intrusion, Ho admitted that hackers got their hands on details related to customers' SIM cards. As a result, to avoid either telephone fraud or SIM swapping, the Italian company has now offered to replace SIM cards for all impacted customers, if they wish, free of charge. You can go to one of our authorized dealers and request a SIM change, free of charge, bringing your current SIM and a valid identity document with you, the company wrote on Monday. Since the SIM card and customer details have been stolen and could be abused to request a SIM card change, it is important that the only way for users to swap the SIM card is to physically go into one of the Ho authorised. Ho said the investigation into the hack is still ongoing together with local law enforcement agencies. This is the first example we're aware of of a mobile phone company being hacked and the mobile phone company offering to replace every single SIM of customers of the company and we think that's a good gesture by Ho. If we receive any further update on this, either from Ho or from the Italian authorities, we will, of course, bring it to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show.
0: Contact us on Helpdesk at GDPRWeeklyShow.com or phone us on 0800 808 5312.
1: To Australia now, and news via the Australian newspaper that sensitive data of around 2 million members of the Communist Party of China, CPC, have been leaked, highlighting their positions in major organisations including government agencies throughout the world. According to the Australian newspaper, the information includes official records such as party position, date of birth, national ID number and ethnicity. It revealed that members of the Chinese ruling party hold prominent positions in some of the world's biggest companies, including pharmaceutical giants involved in the development of 12ID19 vaccines like Pfizer and financial institutions such as HSBC. It is understood that the data originates from a Shanghai server and was originally breached in 2016. From the data that's been breached, it's been noted that CPC members were employed as senior political and government affairs specialists in at least ten consulates, including the US, UK and Australia, in the eastern China metropolis of Shanghai. The paper added that many other members hold positions inside universities and government agencies. The report emphasises no evidence that spying for the Chinese government or other forms of cyber espionage have taken place by those named in the data breach. In September, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, and the US Department of Justice issued a joint advice US government agencies and private sector companies to be on high alert for cyber attacks by threat actors affiliated with the Chinese Ministry of State Security. To America now, and plane maker Dassault Falcon Jet has disclosed a data breach which may have led to the exposure of personal information belonging to current and former employees as well as their spouses and dependents. Dassault Falcon Jet is the US three of French aerospace company Dassault Aviation which designs and builds military aircraft, business jets, and space systems. The Dassault Three has 2,453 employees, and it is focused on marketing and providing aviation and maintenance services for Falcon aircraft on the American continent. The Dassault Aviation reported revenues of $7.3 billion in 2019, and it has delivered more than 10,000 military and civil aircraft to over 90 countries. The Salt Falcon Jet discovered the incident on December 6th and sent the data breach notification letters to impacted current and former employees on December 31st. According to media reports and the dates of the breach reported by the company, the attackers maintained access to the Salt Falcon's jet systems for roughly six months between June 6th and December 7th. The Ragnar Locker operators who infiltrated the company's systems were also able to infiltrate the network of several Salt Falcon jet subsidiaries. The principal subsidiaries include the SALT Air Draft Services Corporation, Aero Precision Repair and Overhaul Company, Midway Air Instrument Corporation, the SALT Falcon Jet do Brasil Limitado, and the SALT Falcon Leasing. The breach notification issued by the company says upon discovery of the security incident, we immediately took all affected systems offline and engaged third party cybersecurity experts to aid in our investigation as we work to safely restore our systems in a manner which protects the security of your information. The company is collaborating with law enforcement to investigate the incident and says it has found evidence that the attackers may have stolen documents containing employee information. The information belonging to employees may include their name, personal and company email address, personal mailing address, employee ID number, driver's licence number, passport information, financial account numbers, social security number, date of birth, work location, compensation and benefit enrollment information, and date of employment. Their spouses and dependents information may include their names, addresses, dates of birth, social security numbers, and benefit enrolment information. While the company has not yet confirmed the breach was due to a ransomware attack, Redmar Locker, is a ransomware gang that is well known to be behind ransomware attacks worldwide. The FBI had warned private industry partners to increase threat lock of, the of the ransomware activity following an attack in April against multinational energy giant Engegas de Portugal. If we receive any further update on this from Dassault Aviation, we will of course bring it to you in a future episode of the GTV Weekly Show.
0: Stay home, stay safe.
1: One of India's largest airlines, Indigo has said that some of its internal documents may have been compromised by hackers. In a filing to the BSE on the 31st of December, Indigo said that some of its servers were hacked during December. While it was able to restore its systems in a very short span of time with minimal impact, it says that some segments of data servers were breached. So there is a possibility that some internal documents may get uploaded by hackers on public websites and platforms. We realise the seriousness of the issue and are continuing to engage with all relevant experts and law enforcement to ensure the incident is investigated in detail, Indigo said in a statement. If we receive any further details from Indigo, we will of them to you at the earliest possible opportunity. Remaining in America and Canon USA Inc., was hit with a class-action lawsuit in the US District Court for the Eastern District of New York this week for the ransomware attack that exposed current and former employees' personal information back in November 2020. The plaintiffs, who reside in Ohio, New York, Florida and Illinois, alleged that Cannon was negligent in protecting employee data and violated state trade practice laws by failing to guard against such an attack. The plaintiffs further alleged that Cannon failed to notify the affected individuals in a timely manner. The attack on Canon occurred in August 2020 and affected current and former employees from 2005 to 2020 as well as their beneficiaries and dependents. The information affected included social security numbers, driver's licence numbers, financial account numbers, electronic signatures and dates of birth. The plaintiffs are seeking certification of a nationwide class action. This case has a long way to run and so we will bring you regular updates as we receive them in future episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show.
0: Stay home, stay
1: safe. The European Union Commission's Directorate General for Justice and Consumers published its report on the implementation of specific provisions of GDPR this week. The report addresses the implementation of EU Member States General Data Protection Regulation GDPR articles governing, which includes obtaining children's consent, processing special categories of personal data restrictions to the exercise of data subjects' rights, tensions between rights to personal data protection and the right to freedom of expression, and national derogations for scientific or historical research, statistical or public interest purposes. Given the UK's departure from the EU, the report does not cover implementation of these provisions within the UK. There were two significant findings from the report. One was that while the overwhelming majority of the Member States have implemented various restrictions to data subjects' rights under Article 23 of GDPR for purposes of public security, public administration, public health, taxation and migration, they have not implemented the conditions under Article 23.1, including the necessity and proportionality test or the safeguards under Article 23.2, purpose of processing, categories of personal data, scope of restrictions introduced, etc., the other finding was that while a sizable number of member states have adopted various exemptions or derogations in relation to data processing in connection with journalism and for the purposes of academic, artistic or literary expression, only several member states provide for a case-by-case assessment of such exemptions or derogations. Also, more often than not, no specific balance in your reconciliation test is identified in national legislation. Other observations made by the report include a majority of member states have set an age limit lower than 16 years for consent by a minor. Most member states provide for conditions or limitations with regard to the processing of genetic data, biometric data or data concerning health, which typically consists in listing categories of persons who have access to such data, ensuring that they are subject to confidentiality obligations or making processing subject to prior authorisation. For Article 23 restrictions based on public security and public interest, including public administration, public health, taxation and migration, some Member States have enacted restrictions in the areas of social security and the supervision of financial market participants, functioning on the guarantee systems and resolution and macroeconomic analysis. An overwhelming majority of Member States do not sufficiently implement the measures and safeguards specified under Article 23, Paragraph 2. A majority of Member States... Provide for provisions aiming to reconcile the right to the protection of personal data with the right to freedom of expression and information. A survey conducted by Finbold into GDPR fines issued across Europe between January 1st, 2020 and December 31st, 2020 has discovered that a total of €171.3 million in penalties for requested under GDPR legislation in the year. The report reveals that Italy accounts for the highest fines at 58.16 million euros of the total fines from 34 violations. The UK ranks second with 43.9 million euros in fines but from only three violations. The two countries cumulatively account for 59.5% of all the EU GDPR fines. Germany comes third at 37.39 million euros again from three major violations. Sweden's 15 violations attracted €14.27 million in fines, while Spain closes out the top five with €8 million in fines arising from 128 incidents. In 2020, a grand total of 299 fines were registered by the EU. Specific incidents of note are Germany's H&M, which was fined €35.25 for a data protection violation. Italy's Tim, a telecommunications operator, received the second-highest fines at 27.8 million euros, and British Airways is third after a massive fines of 22.04 million euros. Finbold chief editor Oliver Scott said, despite campaigns to have organisations enact better measures to protect consumer data, the violations recorded across the EU remain significant, with the law coming into place in 2018. It will be interesting to see if organisations will take up extra responsibility to prevent breaches in 2021. However, stakes remain high for companies to avoid risking regulatory action for breaches and protecting reputation alongside legal action.
0: Contact us on Helpdesk at GDPRWeeklyShow.com or phone us on 0800 808 5312.
1: The GDPR Weekly Show is an insurity production.
0: Until next time. Bye-bye.